going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to tell you about my truck, and I'm going to make an argument that my truck is worth, potentially, over the last 10 years, $57,852, sorry, I said that in an awkward way, we'll just call it about $57,000, maybe even close to 58000 So I will probably type up the show notes to make this a little bit more believable, but let me tell you a little bit about my truck here. So I have uh, what many would consider a beater truck. I may even put some pictures uh, when I do, a, you know what, I'll do a video on this because when you actually see my trunk, you, truck, you will think, hey, that is a piece of shit, you know. It is a beater truck, and it is like legit a beater truck at this point. But let me tell you about it. So it is a Ford F-150. It is an STX, which is just like the the trim line above like what a work truck would be. And if people aren't familiar, the F-150, it's like the most popular vehicle for the last many years, like, you know, depending on when you listen to this, uh, actually, I, I'm pretty sure it's probably still going to be one of the most common vehicles out there in the world because it's a work truck. It's a work truck. And, um, you know, actually just to go a little deeper, my family, we usually drive Fords, right? So my, my pop, basically he's, he's always driven a Ford or a Mercury, like since he was a kid. And I think, uh, you know, his dad did the same thing. So I pretty much have stuck to Fords myself, um, as well. So uh, anyway, it's a 2005 F-150 STX. It has a 4.6 V8, 4.6 liter V8. It is not four-wheel drive, which actually was a little bit problematic when I was in Bozeman, but it's a good truck and it's helped me move many times. Trucks are great because, you know, everyone needs a friend that has a truck to help them move. If you're getting like a mattress or like you're moving a couch or something like that, like having a truck, pretty convenient. So the reason, right, some of you are probably ahead of me, but I've had this truck for a while and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. But the big punchline around this, and we're going to talk numbers, we'll be specific. I actually did a little research ahead of time for this episode, which I rarely do. I usually just talk in generalities and don't really make sense about anything specific, but we're going to do it today. So um, I got this truck in, I think it was 2006. That sounds right. I got it uh, towards the end of 2006. Uh, My car at the time was pretty old. Um, I drove it all through college and like it was, it was going to need some major work antifreeze was leaking, right? So there was like the engine block was cracked. There were some issues, right? I don't remember exactly what was going on, but I know antifreeze was an issue. So it was kind of hobbling along and I had a job, you know, for a couple of years at that point, a lot of my friends were like getting new cars themselves and they were getting houses and, you know, we were all young professionals, finding our way in the world and like upgrading cars because we were getting paid more money, definitely a lot more than whatever money we had in college. So people were just like upgrading their vehicles. And I was like, ah, you know what? I kind of want a truck. 
like nothing too fancy. I'm going to get one that's a few years old and blah, blah, blah. So brand new, the truck, which I didn't get a brand new, right? But uh, brand new, that F-150 that I have would have, I think the MSRP was like 22,000. So like actually fairly modest, as I mentioned, it was, it's just above like a work truck. So for the people that are familiar, the uh, F-150 XL is just the standard, like plain old truck. And that is typically what you'll see for like a work truck. Like that's the fleet truck that you may see out there. They do have like really fancy, expensive ones. Now trucks are super expensive, by the way, by the way, but like you can get a really nice like four-door truck that's, you know, basically a luxury car with a little, you know, a bed in the back. But uh, those are super expensive. So anyway, I was like, I'm going to get a truck that's a few years old here. I don't need anything too fancy. I don't want to, (laughs) I don't want to get spoiled by like keyless entry or power windows and locks. Yeah. My truck, you have to like use the crank. If people aren't familiar, if you're young, you may not even have seen any of these window cranks, but yeah, you got to roll the window up and down manually. I don't have a keyless entry system and there's no power locks. So I get in to my driver's side door and then I reach over and unlock the other side. So if you could imagine that, right? So I'm, it's modest, right? It's a, it's a beater truck, as I mentioned at the beginning. So it's a beater truck. So I, when I got it, it was a, you know, a couple years old. I believe like it was actually sold initially in like the fall of 2004, even though it was a 2005 model. And I got it a couple years later, still had a little bit of warranty left, which was nice. Uh, Of course, I didn't need any of the warranty stuff. But at that point, I think it was listed for something like 13 or 14,000. I think it was maybe around 14,000. And I put um, a couple thousand down. So I put like 2000 down on it. And then I traded in my car and I think they gave me a couple thousand for that as well. So I had a loan for maybe like 11,000 bucks or so. I don't remember exactly, but it was around that amount. So nowadays that doesn't sound like too much, a loan, a car loan for $11,000. And I also don't remember what my monthly payments were, but I think they were around 200 bucks, something like that. I should go look that up, but I, it didn't really matter. Cause he, here's the thing. After I got married in 2009, my wife was like, dude, why haven't you paid off your truck? This is crazy. Let's pay this off. So she actually, she was just like, Hey, I'm going to pay off your truck for you. I think I owed maybe a couple thousand bucks. Right. So I was like, Oh wow, that's like amazing. Thank you for doing that. I was going to have to pay like for another couple of years here. Um, cause that's the loan that I got, which I don't remember any of the details of the loan now that I'm mentioning it, but here's the thing. Here's, here's how it all comes together. We're talking about compound interest and I know a few people were ahead of me here and that is why I'm like, Hey, my truck is worth at least to me like $55,000, right? Which is significant, right? The truck, as I was talking about it, like I bought it used like 15 years ago, 14 years ago for, uh, you know, like 11,000 bucks or so, 12,000 bucks, something like that. It's not worth very much now. I I looked it up a little bit ago. I think I can buy one 
for about $6,000, $6,000, And um, if I sold it, I probably, or I traded it in, I probably couldn't get that much for it, but I could replace it for probably six, 7,000 bucks. Yet it is worth over $50,000 to me because of compound interest. And let me explain this. So if you go to investor.gov, there's a very nice investment calculator um, around compound interest. You put in a few factors and you have a pretty good idea um, like the returns that you may see. So I will tell you about some of the returns that um, actually all the stuff that I entered and I'll probably do a video on this. So keep an eye on YouTube for that sort of thing. But let me tell, I did other research. Let me tell you about some of that. So number one, I looked at uh, a few sources. I looked at the balance and I looked at Nerd Wallet to investigate what the sort of common, what the average payments are on a monthly basis for new and used cars. And it looks like the data is from potentially like 2015 in, in one case. So I'll tell you where it's from and be specific. So in 2015, this is from the balance, a, uh, a new car in 2017, sorry, I'm skipping around here. These numbers, these numbers are a little funny here. So, all right, stick with me, stick with me. In 2015, the balance stated that 50% of used cars were finance and 85.9% of new cars were financed. So most cars are financed in some fashion, at least as of 2015. So the balance also said they skip ahead to 2017 and they say a new car payment was typically around $479 in 2017. And they also left out what the payment for used cars are, but that's okay. The other part that the balance mentioned is that it is typical to have a 60, the average in 2017 is 68 months for a lease or sorry, for the payment plan. I got to get it together, folks here. I wrote this stuff down, but it's even harder for me to read my own notes here, apparently. So that is over five years for people that have a hard time dividing by 12. So it's over five years. So $479 for a new car on average, 68 months paying that down, which is crazy, right? That sounds crazy to me. $479. That's a lot. And I'm sure some people are out there shaking their head. They're like, dude, it's no big deal. Just pay it. You know, like you want to have a nice car. Turns out cars are not that important to me. I like technology and I like cars and I was very interested in cars at some point, but then I was like, man, I'm not really getting happier by getting a newer or different car. This one just seems fine. And then at some point it like became the opposite where I'm like, if I keep my car for like 20 years and instead of buying a new one, I invest it, like that's where you end up with the you know, fifty, hundred thousand dollars just from like driving the same car. So the nerd wallet information is sort of the basis of like what I use for the calculation. So let me tell you about what nerd wallet mentioned. So in 2018, they said that the average new car payment was about $530. The average used car payment was $381 per month. And 
For a new car, the average loan was about 30000 And for a used car, the average loan was about 20000 Again, this is 2018 from Nerd Wallet. So I probably wouldn't buy a brand new car. I would probably get a used car. So I used the $381 value for my calculation. So if you do head over to investor.gov and you search for the compound interest calculator, there are, I believe, like four steps, like a few pieces of information that you need to put in there. So I will tell you exactly what I put in. So for the step one, that's the initial investment, I put in the $2,000 that I put down on that truck. Then step two is how much you're contributing each month. So I put in the average price in 2018 for a used car. As I said, I probably wouldn't get a new car. I'd probably get a used one. So I put in $381. Now, the next part for the contribution that matters is how how long you're going to be doing that. So I put in 10 years in this case because my car was paid off in um, 2009, roughly. So it's been 10 years. So we're just going to call it 10 years to give you us like a snapshot of like right now, like how much my car has been worth by keeping, uh, keeping it and not getting a new one because some people, right. So I didn't mention this in the beginning, not everyone's like this, but many people actually, I have a few good friends that are just like this they have a car payment, right? They've gotten used to having a car payment. And as soon as they pay off a car, they're like, oh, it's time to get a new car because the payment went away and it's already budgeted. So we may as well get a new car. And number one, like you don't have to get a new car. (laughs) Like you don't have to. Um, If you want to, if you get great joy out of getting a new car, then that is something to consider. But me personally, it's not my thing. I don't give a shit. So um, some of my friends, like they get new cars and actually one of them is he um, he has a really interesting way. I'll just put it that way. He has an interesting way of like justifying purchases. So like he has literally traded in cars where he still had payments on them. He's successful, by the way. He has a very good job. He's successful, but he's like traded in cars that he still owed money on and basically like used the refinancing portion to get like either lower monthly payments or, I mean, basically at that point, if you're getting lower monthly payments and you're paying off your old loan and borrowing more money, like you're just extending the loan, right? You're extending your debt. That's all you're doing. So anyway, let me get back to it. So contributing $381 for 10 years, because that's what the exercise is. Step three, I'm assuming, right, um, certain returns. So the interest rate that I put in here, my estimated interest rate, I'm very conservative in this fashion, okay? I'm putting in 4%. So I'm saying I'm investing in the stock market, right? I'm investing in funds. This is a whole other topic. And actually, if you're interested in my what I'm doing now, um, as far as investing and where I'm putting my money, leave me a uh, leave me a voicemail, shoot me an email, and let me know. I'm getting very obsessed and interested in these topics, and most likely, just because I'm interested in it, we're going to be talking about finance. We're going to be talking about this kind of stuff. All right, back on topic. Interest rate. Step three. I put in four percent. Why four percent? 
So if you talk to some people and just actually, I saw a YouTube video on this the other day. It's from a pretty knowledgeable person, a minimalist, um, not a financial person, but they were talking about, hey, if you invest in the stock market over the past 50 years, like the average returns have been 10% or whatever. And I'm like, 10%, that's bananas, dude. Like, sure, like that may be the returns if you just look at it on paper, but you have to consider paying taxes, number one. You also have to consider inflation. You have to consider like several other things that eat away at your, you know, your capital, your principal investment there before you can pull it out. So 4%, very conservative. If you put in 10%, like there's going to be a lot, like you're going to have less at the end than you expect. If you put in four, you may be pleasantly surprised. And the 4% takes into account, um, like highs and lows in the market and a recession or whatever. So over the long term, over the very long term, 4% is probably like a good safe estimate. You can put in, in this particular calculator, they do give you an interest rate variance range. So you could put in 4% and have a variance of like one or one and a half to see the range. So like what the returns would be if it was 3%, 4% and 5%, because when you click the calculate button, it shows you this pretty graph. So next thing, how often is it compounded? So that's step four. And I kept the default in here annually. That's probably a safe and uh, like assumption, uh, potentially monthly, depending on what kind of investments you have out there. Again, if you're interested in deeper stuff about what I'm talking about here and where I'm putting my money, then let me know. So when I calculate that based on the stuff that I just mentioned, so that is quick summary, initial investment, $2,000, uh, contributing $381 per month for 10 years and an interest rate of 4%, which I believe is conservative yet um, realistic, and then compounding it annually, you end up with, in 10 years, $57,852.41. Very interesting. What would happen if I kept my truck for another five years and I did not get another one? Well, let's see. I will calculate that, and you just change the number. You calculate it again, and it takes a second, apparently. Let's see. Why is it not accepting my... It's fun to listen to me click on stuff. In another five years, it is worth $95,149. That's insane, right? I have kept my truck for a little bit longer, and it's worth a crazy amount if you just invest it in index funds and don't buy new cars. Now, sure, I know some people are like, man, things break, you have to put money into it. There's a lot, like, if someone tried to debate me on this, you would crush me, right? You would crush me. There's so many holes in what I'm saying. And I I know it, I understand. There are safety and technological, uh, like, flaws in my plan, right? I don't even have power locks or power windows, right? So, like, I am... I'm sacrificing some luxuries, right? But I can tell you something. When I get into a rental car, I think it's like the nicest, like even the crappiest rental car. I'm like, this technology is so fantastic. They have Bluetooth. I can link up my phone and see a GPS map on the little screen. There are screens in here. Like I'm amazed at rental cars. It is 
mind blowing. I mean, let alone like when I get into a nice car, uh, like of one of my friends or, um, you know, some other folks that I know, they, uh, I'm just amazed. It's like at the height of luxury to be in like just a different car than in my old beater. So I'm like the, uh, you know, we adapt, right? Like people adapt to whatever they're used to, right? Or you get used to whatever situation you have, the environment, the truck, the fancy car or whatever it is. So if you kind of get used to nice cars and then you rode in my truck, you would think, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? Can't he afford to get a better truck? And I can't, I just don't care. I hardly drive the thing. I mean, I drive uh, like a couple miles over to uh, the grocery store occasionally. Um, I, I drop off recycling, but other than that, I'm walking most places. So I go to the store and then maybe occasionally go meet up with some people, but a lot of places I could walk or bike to which is great. So I don't have to worry about that stuff. So in the last, I would say five to seven years, actually maybe pushing like a decade at this point, I have not put many miles on my car at all to the point where um, I don't hit 3000 miles in a year, right? So I'm not, I'm not even in that 3000 mile threshold to get your oil changed um, for people that are like really sticklers for changing their their oil every 3,000 miles. So I'm not even hitting 3,000 miles a year. So I, I don't drive it that much. And again, I realize I'm in a unique situation and blah, blah, blah. But I do know in the audience, people that listen, a lot of you guys and gals are IT folks, you're doing high tech stuff, you're professionals in some manner. And a lot of you, if you don't work remotely all the time, you at least have some capability to work remotely occasionally. So I'm not suggesting anyone keep to get a crappy truck and then keep it for 20 years or anything like that. But I am roughly like, that's my plan, right? I'm going to keep it until it doesn't run anymore, or it's just silly to keep it. Or I think maybe I don't need a a car or a vehicle and I'm just going to like, you know, rent one if I need it, or, you know, maybe we'll be like a one vehicle kind of family, something like that. But all right, just for fun, let's say instead of, instead of sticking with the 381, I upgrade, right? Let's say, because here's what happens a lot of times, right? So we adapt, we adapt to whatever environment we're in. And we adapt to our budget. And as we earn more money, as we go through our careers and we're more successful and we are able to buy like better cars and other things, I guess, as we're better, as we're able to buy those better cars and stuff. And then, by the way, you see your friends and peers and maybe your boss or, you know, you see other people and they're driving like some cool shit and you're thinking, Ah, uh, maybe maybe I should like look at those. Um, so and so got the BMW, so such and such. Actually, it was my dream for many years to get an M3. So the car people will know what I'm talking about. So the BMW M3, I just I thought they were so. Aw- I mean, I still think they're fantastic. Um, they're, I mean, they just look awesome. They're like little race cars, and uh, I've had the you know opportunity to uh, ride in a few of them, you know, just some friends of mine had, or a friend of mine had one. Um, But the point is we upgrade, right? So as we have more money, we just spend more money, right? It's a easy habit to get into. 
And I guess way back, I, I was just like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to throw more in the 401k. Um, you know, things are fine. I don't need to do anything different here. I don't need a new car. And except that time I got a car. All right. So instead of the 381, let's say I upgraded and I was like, all right, I'm making more money. I'm making six figures now. I'm going to, you know, get a more expensive car. So let's say instead of 381 that we are upgrading and I'm paying 550 per month for, you know, some, uh, fancy luxury kind of car. And then we'll still call it the 15 years. Again, people end up buying a vehicle and then they keep it. And once it's paid off and they don't have payments, they'll buy another one. Okay. I think it's going to be bananas here. So just to recap, so we got 2000 bucks, you got five fifty monthly com- contributions, right? And then we have 15 years. And then we're talking about a conservative, a very conservative 4% interest rate. When we calculate this, it is $135,000 and uh, it doesn't even matter after that, right? So compound interest is bananas, right? That is like what everyone has been telling you and it's true. And the best time to get into this is like, you know, 15 years ago. But if you can't, if you can't go back in time, then you should start as soon as possible investing even in conservative like index funds. And I think I'm giving away, you know, the big secret, right? Index funds. Like that's, that's kind of where I'm spending my time. And I can go on and on about that and why, specifically why, but these numbers are staggering. All right, let's dial it back a little bit. And just playing with these calculators is a little bit fun. So let's say instead of 15 years, let's just say 10 years. So $2,000 initial investment, $550 per month for 10 years, because let's say that I did actually like buy a car here and there. Um, and like I, I traded it in, but you know, over the, over the years I swapped around and blah, blah, blah. I didn't contribute at all. Like a hundred percent of the time is what I'm trying to say. Even still in 10 years, that is $82,200. So the point is, if you could just keep your car for a little bit longer, even if you just kept it for like one to two years after you paid it off, like you're saving so much money and we're not even like, we're not even talking about opportunity costs. We're not talking about some of the other, you know, issues with like buying a car. So couple, couple things. So if you are interested in this stuff, let me know. Obviously, as I am talking about it, you can probably hear, I get enthusiastic about it. And luckily, I mean, no one else is uh, like trying to argue my point or against my point or anything like that. I understand there's probably a ton of holes in here, but the, the general idea is, you know, don't get a new thing if you don't have to get a new thing. And by the way, if you do save that money, you could like invest it and, you know, save for your future save to uh, retire on, that sort of thing. So it's very interesting. Very interesting when you throw in the compound interest and you you throw in, you know, 15, 20, 25 years, it really adds up. In the short term, it's not a huge deal. In the long term, it's crazy what happens. So the other thing that I can mention around just cars is 
when I purchased my truck, and this is another topic, so I'll just kind of float the ideas out there. When I purchased my truck, I was I was like, oh, you know what? It's it's really hard to like get a, a understanding of like what a good deal is, and I I kind of want to like find as close to identical uh, like used trucks as I can. So maybe the dealers will feel a little competition. They'll feel the pressure, especially if they know that I'm like looking at other trucks that are similar. So I did play around with that. And in this particular case for my truck, I was at a particular dealership and they were kind of jerking me around like used car uh, used car salesmen do no offense to any of the sales folks out there, you know, respect for anyone doing, doing a job, but they were, they were jerking me around at one spot and they were like, here, let's go, let's go see what kind of, you know, interest rate we can get you. Let's go talk to my manager, all those power plays and all the silly shit that they do at the dealerships. And I was like, I already have like financing taken care of. I like, I, just want to know like your bottom line on this. And then as I was in the manager's office, I was like, I'm going to call the other dealer. I've already looked at their stuff. And I'm like, I know if I like, you don't want me to leave here, right? Like I know if I walk out of here, you guys are screwed. And so I called the other dealer, like did some negotiating on the phone in the other manager's office before I went over and eventually bought it from the other place. Again, like if you start walking out um, they, they come running after you. They, that those people ran after me as I was driving off. They ran after me, uh, through the parking lot, which if you're buying a car, don't do anything until you start driving off and they fucking chase you out there or they're going to call you back the next day. Right. So hundred percent, like definitely you got to drive off. You have to drive off and you want them to chase you. It is fantastic. A professional person fucking running after you, begging you to come back. So, okay. So that that's one car story. And the other one I won't tell is fully, but, but when my wife got her car, it was, we we're, she was going to get a brand new car, right? So for whatever, whatever you think about that, she was like, I'm going to get a brand new car. But the advantage you have with a brand new car is it's very easy to like compare them. So I, this was back in 2011, I believe. Yeah, 2011. And I basically used a lot of the things that I talk about these days. I used email templates. I used a scaling like method. I did internet research. And basically um, in the Atlanta area, there's a ton of like car dealerships. So I basically sent emails out. Okay. I'm going to tell more of the story, but I can, I could definitely go deeper into it in another episode. So I ended up emailing probably 20 different dealers in the Atlanta area, something like that. I told them what we were looking for, asked if they had it in the inventory. And I told them to give me their best price. And by the way, I was emailing everyone in the, you know, Atlanta Metro area. And they were all going to be competing with each other. So they really needed to make sure that they gave me their best price out of the gate. Cause I wasn't going to work with them or like follow up or do anything unless, um, they were a contender, right? Like top three. I also told them not to call me or, 
right? Because I, I didn't want to talk to him at all. I don't want to talk to anyone. I just wanted to get some emails, get some data. And then after that, we can do some negotiation, right? So that ended up being a fucking awesome experience because I took the power away from them. Normally, you know, you're walking into the dealership, they're controlling the whole situation, but sending out emails, I controlled it. If they called me, they were out. They didn't follow directions. You know, I don't want to talk to them on the phone. If they start, you know, taking advantage of uh, like doing things the way they want to do it, they were going to walk all over me the whole time. Right. And I'm not a strong negotiator, or at least I wasn't back then, but I was like, Hey, how can we like flip the power dynamic? Because I know it, I know at least as much information about like the cost um, as like, you know, the average dude, probably a lot more and just going in with a uh, specific criteria. And I wanted to be interacted with in a specific way. It was fantastic. Really fantastic. We didn't drive off in that specific occasion, but they were pissed when we left. I'll just put it that way. It's a great story. I love it. I still have all those emails too. So let me know if you want to hear that like full story. Maybe I get, uh, Elizabeth to join me for that episode. So, okay. Let me pause here for a second and then we'll round this up. Actually, before we hit the recap, I will make a request to uh, you fine listeners out there. If you have questions about like the approach um, and the assumptions that I made as far as how much money this truck of mine is proving to be worth to me and you want to poke holes in my argument please send me an email. Um, I will probably, you know, answer them on another episode in on the air and stuff like that. But I feel like this, this um, sort of perspective that I'm taking on my, um, you know, POS piece of shit truck out there, I think is interesting. And I think if you find listener poke holes in it and you tell me the flaws in my argument, I can tighten those up. And at the end of the day, I may be able to have like an actual, you know, a little bit stronger argument where I say, oh yeah, like, uh, there is some intrinsic value left in the truck or the vehicle or whatever. And just because you get a new car every four years or something doesn't mean you're like losing money in the same way that I'm proposing that it's happening. Right. Because I know that it's not as simple as the way that I'm looking at it part of this, right? From a psychological perspective, I understand I'm trying to justify why I have a very old truck that looks sort of scratched up (laughs) and a bit of a mess and why I don't have power locks and all this stuff. Now, luckily, um, I, I do know that I have been able to save a lot of money by keeping the truck for so long, but Um, at the same time, I know part of, part of this whole episode was like me justifying having a old crappy truck, which I'm fine with. I mean, I feel totally fine. Like letting my dog up there wet, jumping up in the seat. Like it's totally fine. I don't care. There's scratches on it already. If somebody opens their door into, I mean, I don't want people to open their door into my car, but if they do, it's not that big of a deal. It's all right. So anyway, if you have observations, if you have like arguments against what I'm proposing, um, let me know. I would love to hear it. So either feedback at Doug.show or you can call and leave a voicemail. So super interested to hear about that. Now, 
before I hit the recap, I will mention, uh, check out nichesiteproject.com. If you are not on the email list already, I send out like weekly, uh, wrap ups. I have been sending out weekly wrap ups, like on Fridays, people tend to enjoy them. Uh, funny thing, a few people have actually emailed me and they're like, man, I'm really enjoying like how you're doing the recaps. There's a little story usually, and then there's usually some sort of a, a little takeaway, maybe not a lesson, but I try to make it have a point, you know, usually. And then many times I just send out links to content that I had published, uh, that I have published in the recent week or weeks, or sometimes I go back in the archive because sometimes there's good content out there that people haven't seen. So I just remind them about that. So I also give out all my templates and stuff like that. NicheSiteProject.com, hit the green button, you know the drill. Okay, the main point points around uh, this whole exercise, keeping a used car for longer is a great way to save money. In my extreme example, right, I think there was probably a period where um, it would have made okay sense to like, trade my truck in and get a new one and have like more modern features on my truck. And then it, it, I reached uh, on a long enough timeline. It's like, oh, wow, this is really a great way to save money. And it's not a big deal. The vehicle is not that important to me. And I'm fine driving around this 15 year old car. So the main point is people are spending a lot on cars the average payments seem to be in the for a new car around f- over 500 bucks for a used car we're talking over 350 and that's i mean that's significant money especially if you are buying a new car whenever you finish paying off the last one i hope there's not too many folks that are doing that but i mean just keeping your car a little bit longer could be a, a great a great way to save some money Especially when you're looking at the long term, if you're like, hey, over 30 years, if I could just keep the number of cars that I'm getting down a little bit, you're going to save a lot of money. And then if you do this in an extreme way, like I am currently, it could actually be like really, really valuable. Now, the hard part potentially is you do have to invest. You got to do the investing every month. The compound interest will pay off. It will be amazing over long stretches of time. But like just this one little exercise um, over the course of like 15 years at average, right? I use the average monthly payments. It's a huge amount of money, right? It's a chunk of money. We're, We're in the six figure range easy when you're looking at like 15 years or so. All right. The one other... The one other thing I wanted to mention, um, which isn't super relevant to the point that I'm trying to make, but I think some people probably realize this when I'm talking about the monthly payments, like loans are structured very differently. So you may have like a high monthly payment that is like way more than what I just described, but we're working with averages, right? So some people may put like a lot of money down on a car and they may have like a 24 month payment plan, right? They may have 24 months to pay back their loan. So their payment may be $1,200 or something. I mean, depending on what kind of car they get, Um, but their payment could be on a monthly basis, like really high or conversely, right? 
if you are out there and you're like, hey, you know, my car payment's only $125 a month, but it's like a very long payment period. I mean, you're just paying more in interest. So it's very valuable to like break it down and actually look at the numbers, right? The sales folks and the finance people will bring things out and they're like, oh, you want a lower monthly payment? Oh, great. We can lower the monthly payment and you're going to be paying on this car for like nine years or something, something crazy, right? So be sure you understand like, all right, I'm putting this much down. I have the trade-in like that, that has some value as well. And then like the monthly payments are a certain amount and how much interest are you paying? Like interest obviously adds up a lot. I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Like interest um, that you're paying on for a loan uh, is terrible, but the interest that you could make through compound interest is fantastic. So like, you just have to like flip it and make it work for you. Okay, cool. Please let me know if you'd like this sort of information. It'll be helpful for me, right? So I, I am getting pumped about it. I am getting more involved in these sort of finance ideas. And, um, I think I have a lot to share on it, a lot of thoughts on it anyway. So, uh, yeah, if you have questions, comments, anything like that, please let me know. Feedback at Doug.show. And we'll we'll end it here. It's getting hot in the recording booth. There's no AC in my closet here. So uh, have a great day, and we'll catch you on the next Doug Show. Thank you so much for listening to The Doug Show. I really do appreciate it. I mean, I'm just sitting here at my computer recording stuff and uh, you're listening to it. And I think that's awesome. If you enjoy the show and you know someone who maybe would be interested in it, please let them know. I think it would be fantastic if you help spread the word. If you are not signed up for the Niche Site Project email list, well, you're in luck. All you have to do is go to nichesiteproject.com, click the green button, enter your name and email address, and I'll send you a bunch of cool stuff about affiliate marketing, productivity, including all my templates. If you happen to not be subscribed to this podcast, please do subscribe. And don't forget, I welcome your questions. So you could send uh, your emails to feedback at doug.show. I got that really cool domain, doug.show, that's it. So feedback at doug.show. Or I'm going to leave my voicemail number in the show notes. So all you have to do is give me a buzz, leave a voicemail, and then I'll potentially put you on the air. So looking forward to it and we'll catch you next time.